Thank you very much. So I was basically going to um, talk about who is this bloke, but I think Colin's just done that, so I'm just going to move straight on to the next slide. <laughs> so today I will be informative, geared to the everyday commercial speciality coffee environment. Use my history in coffee. I will be honest. I will be super challenging and confrontational. Open, it is only my viewpoint. Okay, let's move. So my talk is going to be about challenging the way we brew coffee for the better. With specific reference to application within a speciality coffee shop. Within any shop cafe that serves speciality coffee, there is a difference between the two. We need to know which one we're actually providing for. My knowledge and experience. Training for the World Brewers' Cup in Gothenburg 2015 as the UK Brewers' Cup champion. So, it will give an overview of where brewing theory comes from where it is today regarding application, and how we can facilitate a positive change in the future. It will stimulate thoughts or about what we do and why we do it. I will give some tools of how we can understand coffee better, hopefully, and give an insight to the trials and tribulations of building a brew method for the World Brewers' Cup. And hopefully, Hopefully, this will facilitate a change that delivers a future point of difference for your business. Right, ready, let's go. The educational stuff first, it's not a lot of slides. A touch of theory. Extraction. In brewing, it is super important to distinguish between strength and flavor. There is a difference. Strong coffee has lots of dissolved solids in it. Weak coffee, not so much. The ideal range for most people in brew strength is 1.15 to 1.35%. And this is according to Lockhart's original research that was done in the 1960s. Today, depending on which coffee association, the Nordic approach, SCAE, SCAA, they all have different guides. But the range is 1.2 to 1.55. The crazy Nordic guys like it a little bit stronger, so they're at the top of the scale there. Flavor is tied to extraction. It's what you pull out of the coffee beans. Low extraction, not enough flavor components are pulled out of the beans, resulting in sour, grassy taste in the cup. And high extraction leads to a bitter taste, astringency. In short, we can have a strong cup of coffee that tastes under-extracted and a weak one that's over-extracted. Theory over. <laughs> what, what do we do and why? Okay, so the key brewing elements are, very simply, we start with a brew recipe, we grind the coffee, the three T's, temperature, turbulence, time, filtration, and water. 
We use these elements in accordance with the brew charge measuring TDS with this holy grail of aiming for 20%. Why do we do that? There is no wrong way to brew coffee. As an individual, however you brew it is fine. It's to your own personal preference and taste and technique that you do every day. That's great. Unfortunately, in a commercial environment, this is not the case. Why? Pause. I'm using a Colin pause there. It's good, isn't it? In the UK, we have this nonsense. I've been asking people for the last 18 months what your brew recipe. 99.9% .9 of people hit me with that. It puts us right in the middle of a brew box. Why? I want you to take this away with you. Why are we doing this? When the talk's finished, it'll become more apparent. But I want you to take that away. Why are you using this recipe? Confrontational stuff kicking in. We are losing focus. We are becoming one-dimensional. We are in danger. We now have a modal approach to coffee making that sits in a shroud of artistic license conjuring up a coffee act. We are in danger, seriously. We are becoming programmed to a standardized brew recipe without even realizing it's happening and without thinking. We are tinkering and building in operational inconsistencies. We are governed by brewing da data that tells us it must taste good when actually it doesn't. We are obsessed, really obsessed, with science beyond our control. And it is distracting us from hitting the key foundations of brewing coffee better. We are losing focus on developing and exploring the parameters we work with every day. And these are very simple. Great coffee, a set of scales, some tasty filtered water. It's the water you use every day. And a clean paper filter and a decent grinder. Let's start using these parameters better. As a result, there is very little difference from one shop to the next. It sits in this shroud of artistic license, but isn't really achieving anything. Jen put that on. Makes me pretty sad. So thoughts and challenges. That's all the negative stuff done. Confrontational. The foundation of how we brew and evaluate coffee is based in the 1960s. It was geared to a filter machine that was one litre, two litre, the Bravelar machine. And roast profiles at the time. Surely, surely we have evolved with better coffee, better processing, different taste preferences, grinding developments, that's debatable, uh, filtration, roasting, brewing equipment, etc. Yeah? Do we really think one brew recipe can fit all these wonderful coffees? 
Let me say it again. I will say it again. We evaluate coffee today, how we have brewed coffee based on the parameters set by Ernest E. Lockhart, wonderful man, and the National Coffee Association in the 1960s. We are still working to 18 to 22% extraction five decades later. We are brewing in a predetermined box before we have even tasted the coffee and evaluated its strength. We can do better. It is the job and skill of the barista to understand the brewing process better and use this to evaluate the coffee's potential towards better coffee, better brewing. We need consistency, we need sensory evaluation, and we need calibration. Sensory evaluation is the first and foremost. Afterwards, we use tools that Colin mentioned, the refractometer, TDS and yield, as supporting data that allows us to build better processes, better protocols that can lead to us and the ultimate goal of consistency, tasty, flavoursome coffee. Consistency is your brewing technique and is the key to evaluation. It's very important, consistency. Evaluation is the key to finding the coffee's potential. And the process of gearing a brew recipe to a Pacific coffee based on its attributes, its character. Calibration means the consumer gets this product as you intended every time. Getting the best out of your operational parameters. So, there was a wonderful man in the 1990s that had a song uh, that changed my coffee life. And if you um, introduce the kind of Queen track, dum 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 da dum 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 Stop, calibrate, and listen to your coffee. It's cheesy, but you will go away with that cheesy line in your head, and when you hear that song, you will make better coffee. Trust me. Brew method. One unit, one team. It needs to be the same. We can't have this process of fly-by baristas doing things differently and achieving different end goals. They come up with the same target, but they've done it differently. The temperature, the bloom, whatever. It's different. It needs to be the same. Brew method, I'm talking. Brew method. Follow the same protocol. Log both century and TDS yield. Less is more. Less means consistent. Do not be afraid to use new things. We live in this process where we must bloom for a certain amount of time. We must add a certain amount of water. Let the coffee do the work. This core setting we set on filter is built back in the 1960s. Yeah? We're using less water. We should let the coffee do the work and grind a little bit finer and increase surface area. The job becomes easier. There's less need for movement, turbulence, etc., etc. 
At this point, we mentioned the non-speciality coffee shop can get off the bus. So I have Harlequin, which is a very traditional coffee shop, and it serves coffee in a specialized way within that, but it's not a speciality coffee shop. Protocols are thrown in, it does its job. Speciality coffee shop is something else. We should be treating it like how we embrace whiskey or wine and, and know about the character of the coffee and getting the best out of the coffee. Using the brew chart better. Well, the brew recipe basically dictates the path that you take on the brew chart. It's very important, the brew recipe. We have a calibrated method. Now we need to play around with the brew recipe. The brewing fu fundamentals affects the, our ability to hit a target in terms of strength and yield. The game of darts. I love darts. I play darts. We currently adopt throwing four or five darts at the board. And then we add up its total, and it gives us 20%. It's not consistent. And then we introduce another barista, throwing his darts at the board. It's 20%. It's not consistent. We need one dart that is calibrated and consistent. We then can evaluate change. We are coffee professionals. We should evaluate and hit a specific target based on the coffee's character and its ability to extract. The brew chart. So this is where we aim for the middle, the 60 grams per litre, the 20% extraction yield. 18 to 22%. That's a bloody big area to aim at. It's massive. It's super difficult to get past 22. So that's almost like gone. It's actually difficult to get past 16. So we've roughly got a 66% chance of hitting the box, whether we do whatever. And we deem that to be good brewing to all coffees. Darts coming in again here. Woo! Look at that bad boy. So my logic is this. Each coffee will have a segment on that dartboard. It is our job to find that segment. My personal preference will go from 55 grams up to 68 grams. I will mainly concentrate on the 18 to 19% extraction and go from 16 round to five. There is an advancement on that that I will leave to another stage, which goes into bypass and not putting all the coffee through the water. Sorry, all the water through the coffee, but we'll touch on that another time. I think there's enough to be going on with. So, consistency and extraction curves. Brewing better. Going dark. Whenever I compete, I'm sure Colin can test testament to this, you go dark. You go into your own little world, exploring a specific facet of brewing coffee. And I went very dark on uh, going to Gothenburg. My shot at being a champion. I challenged our conventional approach. Evaluation is the key. I don't know whether this has been around before or not, but I started to look at extraction curves. And 
I don't know why, I just wanted to understand the coffee better. We played around with a, um, espresso where we split the shot into three bits to understand how the extraction's built up and we can kind of understand what's going on in our head. What I did with brewed coffee is I introduced time and I moved the vessel across 12 vessels in 10 or 20 second intervals. And then I evaluated what was going on in terms of taste evaluation and strength evaluation. So it gave me data for the first time of what my extraction curve was of time against strength and in turn yield. It's very simple maths. Uh, and also the pH. So I got lost in extraction curves. And basically what I found was that our basic brew method flushes a lot of uncontrolled flavor in this first blooming process that we adopt. And between 50 and 70% extraction happens in the first 20 seconds. We start with a very high TDS of around two, and then it drops to about one and then plateaus out. It's very, very uncontrolled. I, I was convinced I could brew coffee better. And my challenges was to look at all aspects, and there's, there's many regards to grind, etc., etc. but I'm just going to focus on the, the, the main one, which developed this kind of thermo-brew method. My findings showed that if I actually controlled the extraction curve from zero, as opposed to 2.2, by putting the water into a flask and adding coffee to the water and introducing turbulence with a cocktail spoon for a, an amount of time and speed, I could start the extraction from zero and build it up to where I wanted and generate a very smooth extraction curve and evaluate the taste and attributes that came from that. And my findings was that it was more balanced, it was sweeter, it was cleaner, it was given, I'm not saying this is right for every coffee, but with the coffee I was using, I wanted for the first time to control extraction from start to finish. I also introduced a better filter paper, and I, I won't bore you with the details, but basically the filter papers that we have, have no science to the build-up. They don't have a filtration speed and they don't have a micron size. We end up with a lot of fines in the cup. We want our coffee to taste like a really good wine and that velvety feel that you get from a really good wine or port, coffee should have that ability too. It doesn't for the fact there are fines in, in the end beverage because they go through the filter paper, particularly if you introduce the water to the coffee. So I wanted the coffee to expand three times its size, which also protects that process, and I also introduced a filter paper that had a Pacific Micron size and a flow rate. The 10 times the price of filter papers we use every day. So, I also stopped the brew process. We don't have to use all the 250 grams output that we put through, which will be about 220 grams in the end beverage. If we stop before that point, we take out coffee within that process that doesn't taste good. It doesn't add value to the end beverage. This isn't for every coffee, but I found it with most coffees, the end element of the beverage 
was pretty crappy. Technical term there, pretty crappy. Final thoughts. Tailor your approach. Very simple. Context to your operational environment is truly the key. What are you trying to achieve? Very much what Colin was saying. You need to be focused on what your end goals are. Sensory evaluation. We've lost this ability to taste the coffee. And then if we understand how we've got there, can we make it better? Where do we move it to? If we're not calibrated and consistent in that evaluation, we don't know where we are or what we're doing. Be adventurous. Not all coffees are created equally. We really need to stop treating them that, that way. And final words from a very fine fellow, Mr. Robert Frost. Mr. Robert Frost. I think that says it all. Time. Great presentation, well done, Gordon. That's uh, very thought-provoking. Um, as you were talking, I kind of... Uh, Colin had got the microphone, because I gave you mine. I grabbed it, I, was, I want to ask the first question. So, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you've said in there. Um, but I'm going to play devil's advocate, okay? Because that's my job as a, a, an, an interviewer. Um, you can just agree. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Lockhart's science of taste and flavor from the 1960s. Yep. The science... No, I was better with the other slide. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go back to thinking about Sir Isaac Newton and the apple falling out the tree and falling on his head, and he came up with this idea of you know, gravity and, yep. and all of these things. That science still stands today, so what's the difference with Lockhart's science that he did back in the 60s um, that makes you question that part of it? Well, well, the foundations are still there. We're still looking at the brew chart. We just have advanced into looking at it in more detail. I think hitting 18 to 22% is just a process that was built for better filter coffee at the time with the processes that they had in place. The theory is still there, and it's still super re relevant because it's an ability to evaluate what the coffee's done in terms of strength and yield. But we need to be much more astute in using the chart better and gear it to Pacific coffees. So if I've got a coffee on, let's say it's a Kenyan or whatever, I would tailor a brew recipe Pacific for that coffee, which would be a Pacific yield and a Pacific strength. I don't want to just aim for the middle of the box and have these parameters in place that are so forgiving. I, I want to start with a calibrated method, and maybe that's 60 grams per litre. It puts us in the middle. We can understand from there where, where we want to go. Do we want to go stronger, weaker, higher extraction, lower extraction? I then only need to change grind to facilitate that process. So I'm in control of where I want the coffee to go. If we start on 60 grams per litre and end on 60 grams per litre, that's fine, but that is super lazy because you've not explored what the coffee can give you. And all the work and time and effort, you know, we work together, you go into. I, I don't, it's a very lazy approach, and we have become very lazy, I feel. 
How long does that take? One, it's like anything. So once you go through that process of building the process and the protocols, you suddenly become much better at brewing because you're constantly challenging your ability as a team and a unit to hit a specific point consistently. Against that consistent evaluation, you then are able to taste the coffee better and understand the coffee in terms of the real attributes of strength and yield. So the process of building it will take months. But once you are in the position of understanding straight away, because you've built in that process with your own knowledge and development, it then becomes within two or three brews, you know whether you're going to take it stronger, weaker, higher yield, lower yield. And in terms of then, if you just focus on extraction for just for one of the parameters, what is your, your range of extraction like? What's the lowest extraction and highest extraction that you tend to I, I work between 18 and 19.25. Tends to be the main area of concentration, but I can go higher depending on the character of the coffee and what I want to um, produce. So if I understand straight away from the calibration test that it's not in 20, and my method would have normally put it in 20, say it's at 22, I've then got a very soluble, high-extracting coffee, and I may want to work with that. So it does depend on what that first set of data gives you. But there's a lot of processes that have sat behind that to get you in that position of throwing out a bullseye with one dart at the start. Um, I'm guessing a lot of this thought process has come from uh, competition. Um, very much so, yeah. I know you were very lucky this year to win. Uh, the there was a guy who was second that was really good. The guy who was third was rubbish, I think. Yeah, well, I think we'll actually... If we, look, <laughs> if we look at the score sheet of the open session, I think I actually won. He's not um, letting this go. I'm not go letting on. that go no. at all. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but the role of competition, I think we, we talk about this a lot within the industry of, like, why do we do this silly beauty pageant where everybody comes out and puts lipstick on and smiles at the crowd? Um, do you think this is one of the, you know, I mean, how useful has competition been for you? Because you've I obviously done UKBC, you've done Coffee and Good Spirits. Yeah, yeah, done them all. Done them all, <laughs> done them all at some point. Um, you've done the roasting competition yet? <laughs> I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Colin will do it next year, are you? <laughs> um, I think it gives you an opportunity to do two things. It gives you an opportunity to geek out on your own personal terms, whatever that is, and choose a subject and get to know it better just by application and trial and error and development. But it also gives you, on the flip side of that, meeting other people that have gone through the same process and experience. And it's, it's about, it's a really wonderful culture, most, most, 99.9%. There is an engagement and a willingness to just share knowledge and, and processes. And from that, we learn, we, we're learning every day. And I'm not saying this is, is, is the answer, but hopefully if some, just one person goes away and challenges what they do, and makes a point of difference in their shop, I think that's a wonderful thing. And it's the same message, really. So if somebody hasn't been to your shop, it's, it's very much a, a shop of two kind of, kinds mm, of shop. Three. Three. <laughs> three, I guess, if you look at the bar elements as well. But coffee-wise, I'm guessing yeah, we're, looking yeah. at, we're looking at two. And, I mean, Colin's company's called 3FE, but you actually are on the first and second floor in York, hidden away, there's a doorway. I mean, yeah. And what challenges have you had to have those two different cultures of, to explain, Harlequin is very much a, you can have cream tea. Yeah, yep. and very it, much so. Yeah, and, and it, but it's, you know, good coffee, but it's not very much, put, you know, rammed down your throat, whereas the attic is very much specialty, pour over, single origin espresso. Yep. Yep. Um, 
How difficult has that been on the first and second floor in York, which has a really transient population it's anyway? It, uh, what it, challenges has that posed? It's been dead easy. No, no. Um, it is. It we'll is move a on. Excellent. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it is a tough one, and it, it did take probably three years. Um, it forces you to be um, focused on excellence. Um, and the main one is obviously the products speak for themselves. But the, the key when you're in that situation is that service becomes absolute king in the process. That people will accept a, a mediocre or good product with exceptional service. They won't accept it in the other way around. It, it, it is a... Service is, is, is absolute paramount. So if it's taught us nothing else, I mean, you know my wife, um, the, the queen of service, I said it was king, it's actually queen. Um, yeah, she, she facilitates that process. So people have an experience, and it may be a different experience on both floors, but they're built from the same acorn, and the same foundation, which is just making people feel comfortable and happy and want to return. I think it's a... Service is something that people, I think, are becoming more and more aware of. But uh, to me, when I when I talk to the guys at the shop, I always say, like, if you, even not for what we do, any shop, anywhere, if you want to improve, you know, let's say the seats or the chairs or something that's going to cost you a few grand, if you want to get a better machine, cost you a few grand, get better coffee, cost you more money. And all these things are, are not something that any business can provide because if things aren't going well and somebody says, well, if you spend 20 grand, things will improve, it's a difficult thing, you know. But service... <laughs> you can improve just like that. Yep. And it can become like your core competitive advantage in what you do. And it really doesn't cost you a penny. I think it's our main advantage. As an independent shop, we, we have the ability to define that process and it, it should be better than, than the chains of this world. Otherwise, what, 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 what are we doing it for? It's gotta have that point, I don't like the cliche, but point of difference and your individuality and how you want to create that. So, moving on a bit, you've like you've talked. Uh, I mean, you've been involved in lots of different competitions at this stage. You travel around the UK quite a bit as well. Been to Dublin recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went like to see a guy and he wasn't there. He's, he's <laughs> <never> <laughs> ships there. in the night. He's never <laughs> there. Uh, so, like, where, where in 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 terms of world coffee is the UK in your opinion? And um, like, what parts of the world do you look to in terms of coffee service in cups of coffee? that uh, we should be aspiring towards? I, I think the UK has a, has, a, has a massive opportunity and potential. I don't think it's there yet, but very much from what I've talked about. I think we have um, a, amazing coffee on demand and roasted within this country, and I don't think we really need to move beyond that. I think we need to support roasters in our, um, our regional or national. Uh, I think that's very important. I'm very committed to that. I think it's uh, super important. Um, I, I think because of that, we are in a very strong place. And I think if we look from the evolution from, say, Hoffman through to where we are today, I think that's facilitated a growth and a development that's facilitated to lots of new shops, lots of new roasters, etc., etc. And I think Steve is a part of that process as well of giving visibility of what good coffee is, which then facilitates growth. And then if people copy, that's, that's the ultimate com compliment. So you're doing something right. So we're now in a really strong place. But I do think that the barista needs to get a little bit more astute with training, development, and knowledge, whether that's competing, whether that's reading, and just doing a better job. And, and un understanding 
how can you make it better? Because I, don't, I think if you don't evolve, you become very stagnant and, and the chains will catch, catch you up. Yeah, yeah, it is very much so. Yeah, no, sure. Has anybody got any questions they'd like to ask Gordon? Sorry, in the audience? there's an audience here. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we're just having <laughs> a chat. Um, you said you weren't going to ask one. It was too, too good at talking about that. <laughs> um, could you just talk us through, you talked about the protocol of when you get a new coffee in and how you develop it and experiment yep. with the, the different yep. parameters. It sounded like it was quite specific to you and quite personal. But do you have a step-by-step -step stage that maybe we can go in? And I, I think if you, if you start by just trying to make your brew method simpler, and if you have the same coffee and you brew it 10 times, you should be hitting a tolerance with that brew method. And if you're not, you need to change something that facilitates that. It's the first rule, because without that, your evaluation of what you're tasting will be skewed. So the first approach is have a consistent method that is specific to you. So if you're using 55 grams, 60 grams, whatever it is, use that every time. And I actually would say use the same grind setting every time because then you have an understanding of what the coffee is doing in terms of grind and extractability. And that gives you a quick indication when you throw that dart at the board, where have you positioned? Yeah? You then have an immediate understanding both on the sensory aspect and the data aspect that gives you the ability to know where you are with the Pacific coffee. And then it's about, from your own knowledge of coffee, which is at some point, and it will grow with the process, evaluate, well, let's try it a little bit stronger. Let's just change the brew, brew, brew recipe. Or let's increase yield, just change the grind setting, make it finer. Don't play around with too much, just change those two parameters, and you will get to know and experience the impact of strength and flavor and yield much better. And if you understand something, you can then change with intent and purpose. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah, good. Ladies and gentlemen, Gordon Hill. <laughs>